What do you believe is the happiest city in America? Hmm. Uh, I don't. I, they include in this in this story uh, cities big and small. This is Wallet Hub, who specializes in these kinds of polls, and they do them continually, and they look at various cities at, for various in various topics, most educated, most obese, uh, whatever the case may be, and they look for uh, and they. About 180 is their usual number of surveyed American cities. This one, they went to the biggest ones in America, 180 of them, examining 30 metrics in three main categories. Emotional and physical well-being, which covers uh, how long you'll live and how happy you are, depression rates, your physical health, how much sleep you're getting, not enough is the answer, income and employment, Think households that make about seventy-five grand annually, job security and commute times, and your environment and your basic community setting. And they also break down divorce rates, how much park land there is, how much average leisure time residents have each day, and they combine all of those metrics into one big happy fun list. So this is not a big American; uh, it's a town. It's Fremont, California. Okay. Uh, I don't I even know where Fremont s- is. I, I don't that, either, that, but that, I was that, thinking mountains thing. and or coasts. Yeah, I was, I was guessing some little town with like 125 to 150,000 people. Well, that's yeah, them. That that, that's that's <laughs> old uh, Fremont there. Followed by, oh, they're number one in emotional and physical well-being, as you would expect. Good weather, and I guess they're not stuck up there with all the snow and stuff now. Number two is San Jose, California. All right. Uh, of course. Number three, surprisingly, Madison, Wisconsin. Now, they are south of Chicago. They're kind of a suburb, aren't they? Or are they a little bit uh, farther away? But they have winter, and they have snow and ice and messes. But I guess overall, everybody is relatively happy and secure and makes good money. Number four is Overland Park, Kansas. I lived there. Really? It's a suburb of Kansas City. Were you happy? Uh, That was a long time ago. No, (laughs) I was not. (laughs) No, I wanted to burn it down and still would. But um, (laughs) it was a new um, suburban type sprawling expansion of KC pretty much. it was okay, and I guess that they have expanded and grown, but uh, they're, number, they're uh, number four. My youngest child was, in fact, born there, so ah, I have okay. some good memories of that. Number five, San Francisco, although they're really? going to be in the, in the ocean <laughs> soon. I find that hard to believe because of the issues they're having yeah. with homelessness, and uh, they're having some real problems in that city, I, as is most of the, that, that state. I guess, though, if you can afford to live there, you're in that bracket of income that is really yeah. happy yeah, because you've happy. got a whole yeah. lot of money. My sister lived Maybe. there for a couple of years, and she loved it, but she eventually just couldn't afford to keep living there. It was insane. So in the good parts of it, it's you know artsy-fartsy and beautiful and a nice climate, but um, as it's just you got to be – it's like living in you know midtown Manhattan. It's too expensive. Number six, Irvine, California. Okay. Columbia, Maryland. Sounds like a nice place to be. Mm-hmm. Big winners, I guess. 
Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I don't know, I don't know a thing about it. Me neither. We don't Potatoes. need more than one Dakota. Just lose either north <laughs> or south or both and call it Dakota. Next. You're wasting states. Something but I don't know what they have to offer, but it must be okay. <laughs> Fly over. Uh, what? Flyover. I said, sorry, I was thinking of Idaho when I said potatoes, but I mean, same thing. It potatoes, Idaho, it's, it's, it's Idaho. It's the same thing. It's a bunch <laughs> of fields and, and I don't know. Uh, South Burlington, Vermont. Sounds romantic and full of snow and Probably cold weather. Pretty. Number 10, Burlington, Vermont. What is this, Helena West, Helena? Give me a break with this shit. <laughs> That's not fair. Memphis West, It's the Memphis, same freaking town. Come on. <laughs> South Burlington and Burlington, please. They probably hate each Me- other. Memphis West, yeah, they they have a you know like we do duels all, all weekend. <laughs> French between the towns. Memphis West, Memphis. I mean, come on. Now, now that one though is is legit. Helena West, Helena ain't yeah. stupid. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, here's your least happy. Oh gosh, in the south. And they're all except for one. Well, except for two. All right. Least happy, 173 down to 182. Least happy, Gulfport, Mississippi. Now, that, I, that's a bastion of vacation place for everybody around here, isn't it? All they, they, they got, they had, they have never recovered from all of the oil spills. Remember all that oh, stuff? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. They've had some oh, bad times down there. So I'm not sure how that has, has impacted their, their tourism money or not. Columbus, Georgia. It even sounds depressing. Number 175, least happy because it's a shithole and a racial nightmare. Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, they can have it. That. It's a piece mm-hmm. of garbage. Augusta, Georgia. I don't know why, but it's hmm. not very happy. Number 177, Memphis, Tennessee, oh, which gosh. is last in income and employment. <laughs> Go us. I thought that was And number one in rise. crime. Yes. God. It is depressing, isn't it? Uh. You know, I mean, I don't want to dwell upon it, but gosh dang it. Number 178, Montgomery, Alabama. Alabama and Georgia are on a roll yeah. for suckage. Uh, <laughs> 179, last time I checked, this city was in Ohio, but they still suck. Cleveland, last in, in a community and environment. It's an industrial town with no parks. That's and blue-collar workers that work hard and a bunch of crappy sports teams. Thank you. Number 180 <laughs> is Shreveport, Louisiana. 181, Huntington, West Virginia. Last in emotional and physical well-being. That is one of the most <laughs> backward-ass spots in America as it edges up to East Kentucky. And that's where your real down-home washboard playing toothless inbred <laughs> uh, they're all right in yonder having a he big has. old time they're just cutting up drinking moonshine and they don't care uh about no emotional well-being and physical pff, what does that mean number 182 not in the south last time i checked detroit the least oh, happy american gosh. city wow yeah. Yep. They have tried and tried and tried to revive that city, but it is a it is to no avail. Uh, it's 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 a strange one. Too bad. There are some traditions that are out there, like Christmas. You know, that's just always and Thanksgiving and your birthday, and and nobody really cares about it. 
It's just a tradition that is in place and has been forever. I'm only half kidding. Uh, and Wes found some of these things that are transition, uh, transitions. They are, um, <laughs> uh, they're just there, and some are made up, and some are not. Hit right. that real quick. All right, this one came uh, via Life Life Hacker. There's 13 of them. I'll just hit a couple. Green bean casserole at Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. Everyone well, does it, it. it. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I like it just fine. Yeah, it's all right. There's different recipes for it, but it was invented in 1955 by the Campbell Soup Company. Uh, the a worker there was tasked with creating a dish that used cream of mushroom soup and frozen green beans, so that they could sell more of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. It's good though. That's all right. Uh, this one goes uh, only came into real fashion in 1915, the year sleeveless dresses came into fashion, and that is women shaving their armpits. Thank God. Not 1915. Hmm. Yep. There now. There's women removing body hair that goes back to ancient cultures in Americas and uh, in Egypt, but uh, for generally, uh, women had hairy pits until those sleeveless dresses came into fashion <laughs> in 1915. They, they always sim- had had. Had, had hairy everything's, but there are well, those of a certain uh, you know mindset that still don't mm-hmm. don't find it necessary. Um, it isn't their obligation as a woman to do that, uh, but just because it came into you know it's and there are some that still don't, and that's your choice. Um, I don't know how men feel about that or women in particular, uh, but some do and some some don't. I would guess that most do. Uh, but some of the younger ones that are more rebellious that, that just don't care, just don't care. And if your man doesn't care, then why should it be an issue? I feel like you feel, <laughs> yeah, I feel like you feel cleaner if you do. Yeah. And how you, you yeah. how do you get the deodorant to your skin if there's hair in the way? And and, and, and that's, you get some of that spray stuff, I guess, right, guard? That or just, you just sticks you just in your hair. <laughs> ask every ask every guy who puts on stick deodorant and has armpit hair. It, yeah, it, you it's just on there and it yeah. works just fine. I don't. Yeah, shaving it. your back is a bitch though. It's 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 it's, it's, hard, it's hard to get to. And That's the older you get, never... the hair on your head will fall out, and you get it in every other place on your body that it does not need to be. It's a pain in the nuts, and it itches. Love it. Love it. But pain but in the nuts that... was not a joke about that either. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. On that very same point, though, like you said, women shaving their legs wasn't really a universal thing until the 1920s because that's when short skirts started coming into fashion mm. in a very big way. And it wasn't uh, then, well, then by the 50s, leg shaving, it says, was nearly universal. And yeah. so how, how much advertising and marketing affected this trend can't be you know, really quantified. But, you know, once marketers realized, oh, there's a whole new market to show, sell razors and creams to that uh, didn't exist before, and we can make them even more expensive because we'll color them pink, then mm-hmm. I'm sure the push was on in a big way. It's funny that my wife and I had this conversation uh, over the weekend because uh, she was talking about razors. And um, we talked about, I guess, the thing in the toy stores about the, but the blue and the pink and the gender ID with those colors and how they're uh, going to find ways to, to uh, separate them and to... Just, just all this, you know, mm-hmm. current wokeness crap. Uh, but she was because uh, it costs a lot of money for razors. A a bag of razors, uh, it's just not cheap. But she was saying to look at the ones for women that are pink oh, and they yeah. smell good, and the prices are even higher than men's are. 
Oh yeah, and it's a razor. It. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Why there... should? Uh, but the, but the, but the the uh, pink tax, uh, she was saying, has been around for uh, for a, a a while, and just because you're a chick and it's pink, why does it have to cost more and smell good? I don't know about the smell, but the men's work better. I, I've always had a man's razor, I, but for some reason right now I have a pink one. I don't know why. I don't recall choosing it. Maybe it was on sale or there wasn't a blue one because I'm not a pink person, but I, I don't know. They're men's way overpriced for men or women. but um, I try to use yeah. the blade until it just rusts. Yeah, I keep one in mind until, I just, until it just won't even shave my neck or my face, <laughs> so I don't even worry about it. Uh, but yeah, it is it is dumb to overcharge somebody for a freaking razor because it's pink. Stupid. Yeah. All right, Wes, what else? This one, uh, this thing was written in the late 1800s by Francis Bellamy, who was an assistant editor at Youth's Companion magazine, and it was part of a larger program of patriotic demonstrations for kids to perform in schools to celebrate the 500th anniversary of uh, Columbus reaching America. It included flag purchases and were aimed at Youth Companion subscribers. Flag purchases was the one of the big reasons behind the creation of the Pledge of Allegiance of the United States of America. Hmm. And there was the, a flag in every classroom in every school across America, I guess, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it, yep. it caught on. The whole pledge caught on, and flags were sold, and uh, hey, America and capitalism. But do not but do not force your flag stuff on me, man, because I don't want... I wonder how many schools have removed flags out of the classrooms and the pledge, which is now, I guess, gone from everywhere, right? Well... As a kid, yeah. though, that was a daily occurrence in the classroom. The Pledge yeah, of Allegiance. Yeah. And now I think it probably offends somebody, so therefore everybody is just going to have to, you know, put up with their bitching and their stupidity. And Well, not, it isn't stupid. It's just everyone's need to um, explain why they, well, everybody has their, their own things that they hate. And don't, don't force your stuff on me. Okay. Had sure had had to induce patriotism at a young age and repeat it every single day because it only has about a twenty four hour shelf life amongst young minds. So <laughs> brainwashing. Let's brainwash them now. You're an American. You're free. And these all go into one big category: Valentine's Day, Father's Day, Mother's uh, Day, Grandparents' mm-hmm. Day. All created, not necessarily created out of a sense of marketing, but marketing took over it so quickly it might as well have. The, Hallmark. Uh, I blame yeah. Hallmark. Yeah. Yeah. The woman who created Mother's Day had a, the original idea was you would write letters or go visit your mother on that day, not necessarily right. buy her stuff. And then marketing took over and she later wanted to rescind the whole idea. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. She saw her idea get um, destroyed by endless marketing. And now all of these holidays are here and no one gives them a second thought. But Valentine's Day and Mother's Day and Father's Day, all these things are just unnecessarily there. If you only honor those people that you love once a year, well, that's just wrong. But they've convinced you that going to buy a card or something is what you have to do, or it'll hurt somebody's feelings. Right. It's about making money. Mm-hmm. Let's just face the fact. All right, two more of these that I'm going to do. Orange juice for breakfast, and a great long tradition actually created by marketing. 
because there was really that wasn't really much of a thing in the early 1900s. But the it says the greatest ad man in history, a guy named Albert Lasker, he wanted to sell more oranges for Sunkist. And he realized that you needed uh, two or three oranges for a glass of juice instead of eating just one. So he invented a juice extractor and created the Drink an Orange campaign to give consumers a daily occasion to consume it. And well, Never heard it that caught before. Big. I'll, be, I'll be darned. And the last one I'm, uh, I'm throwing out there from this list, diamond engagement rings. As People, opposed to a beer can top? Well, it says people have been exchanging rings to symbolizing their love for thousands of years, but the diamond ring as the de facto engagement token has a much more recent history. Giving a diamond ring for an engagement can be traced directly to a 1947 ad campaign from the De Beers Company, along with the slogan, The Diamond is Forever. I'll be darned. Of course. How about that? If you had traveled back to pre-World War II and talked about how you had to have a diamond engagement ring, probably people would have looked at you a little funny. You could have saved some money, just, too. It, it but, wasn't yeah. a thing. It no, still doesn't darned. have to be a thing. Right? Yes, just. Everybody just, you know, lemmings just follow along with the uh, status quo. That's just the way it is. And nobody objects. And uh, maybe some do. But they are traditions. Uh, in most every case, they're to make money for something. And that's just the mm-hmm. way that the world works. This I found to be. I don't. I still can't can't quite grasp this. Otzi the Iceman or Otzi remained hidden to the world for uh, well uh, for five thousand years until two German tourists discovered its body in a glacier in the Italian Alps Alps uh, thirty years ago. This mummy is the most famous one in Europe, but also uh, it is unique because of the global history of tattoos. Now, there's a picture of this thing. It is obviously a, a skeletal uh, remain, although there's some skin on it, um, but it's mainly bones. And they found on this thing 61 tattoos that were preserved by the glacial climate. 61 tattoos. Hmm. And they have been uh, debating this since they found this dude uh, 30 years ago. Many of them were along the lower back, the knees, and the wrists and ankles, areas where people most often get pain as they age. And some of them are thought to be an ancient remedy for pain in those areas. Oh, okay. Interesting thought, but he had a bunch of them on there. Uh, not all of them were on places that are usually affected by the wear and tear of life on you know joints and stuff. There were some on his chest as well, and uh, they're trying to figure out if some of them relate to his uh, beliefs of a spiritual nature, or if they were to kill pain. Uh, the one that says guar on his neck is of deep concern, <laughs> and they don't understand don't that one at all. I don't know why. Uh, there were a series of, <laughs> of uh, small dots in many cases. Um, but they're but but they're on him still five thousand years later. That's crazy so, that it's preserved that well that you they yeah. can tell what they are. But he foresaw Guar all yeah. those years ago, and that to <laughs> me is the best part of the whole story. Well, it it stood for something different back then. It was getting wild among rodents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, okay, I'll I'll just take that and. Uh, and just uh, go with it. All right. Um, 
along with, uh, I guess, inmates that trade cigarettes for, you know, I guess various stuff, um, there's a bird that does the same thing. What's this story, Sid? For food. Some crows in Sweden are literally going to food. <laughs> are literally going to work for food. Uh, a company based in Stockholm is testing a program that um, they, I guess, train crows to pick up cigarette butts in exchange for food. For each butt a crow places into some machine, the bird gets a little bit of food. The program won't fully launch in the suburb until the company behind it is certain the waste will not harm the birds. And financing is secured. So, gee, they're already... T- they're already <laughs> How do you know it's not already harming the birds? The crows um, being used are new Caledonian crows, which the company founder uh, told Swedish media are among the smartest birds. This, they have the same reasoning skills as a seven-year-old human, he says. There's no crows forced... Do. That's crows what are smart. This, this kind mm. of crow, this guy says, does. Um, he says there's no forced participation. They're wild birds taking part on a voluntary basis, but if they're going to get food, they're not. I mean, hello. He thinks the initiative, though, could could help clean up the city and slash more than two million the they spend on street cleaning by as much as seventy five percent. Apparently, litter in Sweden from cigarette butts is sixty percent of their litter is from cigarette Eesh. butts in Sweden. Jeez. So. The I know that's just ugh. the ultimate goal. It would be to expand the butts for food program throughout the Nordic nation, which sees one billion butts discarded on its streets. I would Apparently, guess that they were a lot healthier than that. Now, in France or Italy, a lot of smoking there, but I would have guessed a little bit more healthy people would be. I don't know. I don't know, but the, it, everybody's they, nervous, man. Everybody's wound they, up. Yeah. You know, chain smoke and drink. They did test it in France in 2018, but it says it's not. It's they don't know if they're still used to pick up waste in that country. But they're gonna they're gonna try it in Sweden. Here's the crows. There you go. Ten minutes of mindfulness changes your reactions, Wesley. That's right. This comes from the Harvard Business Review, that liberal rag. So you'll make of this what you will. (laughs) 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 Yeah, liberals always love smarty pants. The uh, gist of it is mindfulness itself, the practice of purposefully bringing one's attention to the present moment without evaluation. So you're just sitting there, you're breathing, you're aware of what's going on around you, but you have no intrusive thoughts. You're just there, surrounded by stuff that you hear and sense and see and smell and so forth. And the, the idea is that all the unprecedented busyness of life today is making people more reactive, less proactive. And they say that a diligent effect to mindfulness can help people create a one-second mental space between an event or stimulus and the response to it, which can make the difference between making a rush decision or reaching a thoughtful conclusion. And they say it's the difference between acting out of anger or applying due patience. Just that one second can make a whole lot of difference. And then there's a lot about... All right, wait a minute. Let me ask you this. Um, Uh One second seems to defy... What we've all learned uh, the hard way, um, let's say, if somebody emails you something uh, from work or elsewhere that infuriates you, makes you crazy, yeah, they say to wait 24 hours until you respond. Well, but here's the deal. If you're just reacting, you just start typing. If you take that one second and think about it, you think, let me give this 24 hours and then I'll come back to it. 
Yeah. That's the ah. difference there that they're yeah. talking that's about. One yeah. second. That's yeah. That's a smart thing to do. Wait. And so there's a there's a lot about how this works in the brain if you practice it. But uh, the five implemented tips they've got in this story. First, ten minutes of mindfulness training each day. That do it when you can. A lot of people do it in the mornings, but do it where you just do it ten minutes straight, where you're just in the moment, not thinking of anything, no intrusive thoughts, push them away. Try that for four weeks. It says avoid reading email first thing in the morning because your mind is generally most focused, creative, and expansive in the morning after you've gotten you know, awake. That's when you do your focused strategic work and have your important conversations and, and plannings. Then you get to the email. You don't do your email first thing because you get distracted no. by what people are emailing you. Mm-hmm. The uh, third one of these five tips is to turn off all your notifications, your phone, your tablet, your laptop. Don't get the notifications. Done. Go in and check. Yeah, yeah, you're fine with that. You have it on do not disturb all the time. <laughs> We're all lucky time. if we text you and you reply next week. So that's, uh, no, that's not true. No, not, no, I, no, no I, I know. I'm exaggerating. I do, you I do check it to see if people of importance in my life have texted me, like my yes. kids or, or y'all. That's about right. it. That's you, that and that's that's what they're saying to do is to have just times where you go and check it to see if anything's happened, not have it on go. So as soon as something comes through, you're starting to sweat. Trying if it to, beeps or vibrates, it 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 just sends me a a tizzy. I hate that sound. Yeah. The fourth of the five tips is stop multitasking. It keeps your mind full, busy, under pressure, and makes you reactive. Just focus on one thing. When you notice your mind drifting off. That's when your brain wants to multitask, then just shut down that and focus back on what you're doing and then move on to the next thing. Easier said and, than done, but good advice, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they didn't say it's easy. It, it's going to take work, especially if you're used to having a couple things going on at once. And also put it on your calendar to uh, check in with yourself, it says, every two weeks to assess how well you're doing with the previous four tips, just as a reminder to go and see how you're doing with it and to remind you to keep it up. And if it's on your schedule, you're more likely to actually follow through on this. Yeah, that's if you keep things on a calendar. I, I've never done that. I just, it didn't do me any good. Um, well, I mean, you put it on a post-it note that you put on your computer. I have those. Uh, the same. I, I keep notes. Um, um, I read a thing over the weekend. This girl, uh, or this, this, uh, this, this uh, lady, did a, a dry January, not with booze, she said, because she couldn't handle that, uh, but with all of her social media accounts. She ah. shut them all down. Uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and whatever else. And she just shut them down. And um, she said that her worst habit was to scroll endlessly all the time. And she knew it was a problem like heroin. So she stopped it and had a really hard time for the first week or so. And um, she didn't do it, but she really, uh, she learned to go for walks, to finish books, to watch movies. And she did not touch her phone for a month. Um, After the month, she decided to go back to two of the four that she had dropped um, and to choose which people she would stay in touch with and which ones that she wouldn't. But she said that ultimately she learned this, that it is important now, a lot more than ever, 
to reach out to friends you haven't talked to and to see them in person and talk to them. That it is a soul-fulfilling exercise that she will not forget about ever again. Because we all lost contact with a bunch mm-hmm. of people. I did, and now I have some guilt about it. Um, if it's your wife or your husband, you probably got too close and things got maybe tense. And it's hard to realize it when you're in the midst of it. Um, getting away with your partner is a really good idea. I can speak to that from experience. That it was a great eye-opening thing to be away from this house, this environment, everything that we're so used to, and to get out. Take a it, break, yeah. It just changed our entire mood, and everything has been a bit different since then. It's just, It just helps. Talking to people and being around people isn't always enjoyable, but sometimes you gotta just you know pick the right people and the right time. But still, I wouldn't get too chit chatty with with with, with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's we, just you. Well, we yeah. well having having a couple of of sports during this, we were have still kind of been, you know, in touch with people and and seeing people some. Um, but I'm, you know, if people don't, or if they don't have kids or if they don't have kids in school, then I can imagine how they felt kind of being more isolated than maybe the three of us, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I've learned that it, it, I mean, it is nice to get out into, I went to Kroger yesterday morning by myself, uh, at 7:45 in the morning. Ooh, nobody was there. Uh, yeah, yeah, they were. And, oh. um, Saw people that I knew, and I that I, I, I always get, get kind of anxious. But it was it was nice to talk to somebody and to see people. But um, and she, and and the shopping experience was just delightful. And uh, they have no milk and no coffee creamer at Kroger in Southampton, Uh-oh. which blows. But other than that, I just digress. put Bailey's. Just put Bailey's in it. Why I bought her her she my wife Ellie Mae. She drinks this stuff. It's not Bailey's. It's called um, uh, Carillons. Yeah, and yeah, I that's buy it good for too. Her by the gallon, yep. and um, it's, <laughs> it's in awesome. this huge bottle, and it's a lot cheaper, and uh, it helps keep things mellow around here. So it, it's tasty right. too. Yeah, it tastes like Bailey's, but it's but it's better, and Bailey's is overpriced and not worth the yeah. money. All right, Sid, what do you have left to knock out here? Well, here, here's what I found um, yesterday. Now you can explore. And sorry about the freaking leaf blower next door to me. And they just blew leaves in my yard. Oh, oh there, here's some more. What? Here comes some more leaves in my yard. Thanks. Anyway, um, Go blow it's not right my neighbors. It's, it's some yard company. It's not, it's not act, my actual neighbor. Um, you can explore Billy Joel's New York landmarks on a new interactive map. He just marked his 50th year as a solo artist by launching the New York State of Mind Landmarks site. It's an interactive 3D map that showcases 50 New York spots connected to his life and songs. So if you're a Billy Joel fan, if you're a Billy Joel fan, um, you can scroll through the map and select locations from specific businesses highlighted in his lyrics, like Empire Diner, a restaurant mentioned in The Great Wall of China from 1993, to noteworthy addresses that factor into his catalog, catalog like 142 Mercer Street, where he posed for the cover of An Innocent Man in 83. Oh, yeah, and music venues where he's performed over the years, Carnegie Hall, Giant Stadium, Madison Square Garden, Radio City Music Hall. He just announced the landmark site on Twitter, um, and you can even submit 
a loca- location suggestions expanding the map. So to do well, so, Allentown was a song. Yeah, um, there are That's numerous PA, references though. in New York. Yeah, but still, it's uh, a Herald Square is mentioned uh, in a song. Um, but uh, yep, yeah, so, are probably so, there are a lot. Tons uh, more. Where's yeah. and um, what's the um, no, that's just that's just a generic Ital- Italian restaurant. That song, right? It's just a generic yeah. about an scenes Italian restaurant. An Italian restaurant. Scenes from yeah, yeah. But it says um, um, users can submit new location suggestions, expanding the map. So you just add it to uh, fans must add a location name, address, or description, like Billy performed at the Grammys at Radio City, and then that'll be added to it, I guess, after they check it out and you know make sure that. So you can kind of help. I just thought that was that was cool and interesting and. If you go to New York, that's some kind of tour. Well, you don't have to go to New York, but it would seem like kind of a neat little sort of interactive tour thing, especially if you're a Billy Joel fan, which I am. That's something that uh, Springsteen should do about New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, many artists that are known for their hometowns could do that too. So, Wesley, what do you have to share with the world? I got this rundown of white lies that people confessed that they believed blindly as kids. This is things that things that their parents or their uh, older family members told them that they just didn't question, uh, and it took them a long time to realize that uh, that they were being lied to. Mm. There's this one. This uh, woman says, "I I lost my stuffed animal. It was a white dog in the airport when I was five. It was my favorite. I was really sad about it. And a few weeks later, my mom presented me with a brown stuffed dog that otherwise looked exactly like the white one I'd lost. She said the workers at the airport had found it and mailed it to us. But he got a tan because he was at the seashore. I bought it hook, line, and sinker for a few years. The tan dog is now my son's. That's That's pretty pretty classy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. (laughs) Calm down. It isn't that sweet. Uh, uh, this guy says, when I was a kid, my dad told me it cost 25 cents to change the radio station in the car to keep me from playing with the radio. I believed that until I was 14. Oh, I should have done that. Somebody could now make a fortune in this town. That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> yep. Our parents, when we were very small, convinced us that the person knocking on our door on weekend nights when we were already asleep was our Uncle Shiloh stopping by to say hello. We don't have an Uncle Shiloh. It was the pizza guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Let's see. These are Reddit confessions, so it's handles, and some of them are funny. Cowtownman75 says, I was told by my dad when I was about eight or nine that, quote, the people at the sewage plant have been examining your poop, and you need to eat more fiber. Wow. (laughs) Don't scare me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nice job. Uh, Examine poop. Yeah. This other one said, my mom told me my birthmark was a coffee stain from when she accidentally spilled coffee on me as a baby, and I believed that until I was like 11. That's uh, funny. And what is this guy's name? Octoling Fighter uh, from Reddit says, <laughs> one time when I was five or six, I asked my brother how French fries were made, and he told me they inject mashed potatoes into the skins of the fries with a syringe. <laughs> I believed that until I saw my mom cooking home fries when I was eight. <laughs> Yeah, oh. and Denrad says when I was a child I got upset after a button came off my shirt my mother told me not to worry and if I placed the button under a rock in the yard the button fairy would replace it with a quarter I believed her and to my mother's dismay 
She discovered I had pulled the buttons off each and every shirt in my closet, and to this day, 40 years later, shirt buttons can still be found under random rocks in my parents' backyard. Oh, man. That's great. That's great. Did not know what she was going to unleash there. And this Uh, last one is a guy confesses that I was hiking with my family when I was about eight or nine. We were walking along a river when my dad picks up a rock and said, you know, in the center of every stone, there's a tiny drop of water, and if you squeeze hard enough, you can get it to come out. He had me literally trying to squeeze water from a stone the entire hike back to the car. <laughs> Blood from a turnip, water from a yeah. stone. Oh. All in it how you of these things. Of, yeah, it is. It's, a, it's like that, the, that uh, song by uh, Cat Stevens, uh, Father and Son. Mm. Uh, by the time I could talk, I was ordered to listen. Yeah. I always love that song mm-hmm. and that line, too, because it's true. I can talk, now be quiet and listen. Uh, from England... A British zoo, zoo or zoo, is aiming to bolster its population of endangered monkeys. The monkeys don't feel very romantic. I guess COVID has killed everybody's wanting to be close to each other, even the monkeys. So they, they have hired this dude, I swear to God, in a white suit. He is um, on the grounds, microphone in hand. He is singing Marvin Gaye songs crooning love songs to the monkeys at the Trentham Monkey Forest in Stafford, encouraging them to uh, kiss and play and make babies. However they do it, I don't know how that works. They have chosen Let's Get It On and Sexual Healing inside the Barbary habitat where the monkeys stay. They're trying to encourage the females to be more affectionate toward the males that might not be into it. Females in season mate with several males, sluts, so paternity among their free residents is never known. Each birth is vital to the species, and so they need to make little babies. So they um, brought in this this guy to sing Marvin Gaye songs. You could have saved this guy some trouble and gotten a boombox and a best of Marvin Gaye thing and played it. Yeah, that's probably cheaper. I would think, unless my bro here is, you know, charging some big bucks to be like Marvin Gaye. Uh, just play Marvin Gaye for him. This guy ain't going to put, well, I don't know. So the monkeys aren't into it, and they're trying to encourage them to make little critters. Um, <clears throat> what else did I have here? Oh, but there's other, there was one, oh, only humans until now have been known to do this. But now we know that chimpanzees appear to self-medicate with insects. Oh, I this saw comes, this headline. What? Yeah, oh. it's a, it's 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 really interesting. But I I don't get why it took until now to figure this out. Officials with the Ozuga Chimpanzee Project in uh, some country in Africa, I believe, uh, first spotted a female chimp taking a tiny winged insect from her mouth and placing it on a wound on her son's foot in 2019 November. She then pulled the bug off and uh, did it again uh, with the same bug on the same wound of her son. And they were just amazed that she was treating uh, this little guy with a bug. Um, And they watched over the next... 15 months uh, and observed the same behavior 21 times among this 
group of monkeys. Their conclusion is that, that chimps appear to use insects as a form of first aid, as only humans have been known to do before. Hmm. How have we gotten to 2022 and never known this before? Maybe not all chimps do it. Maybe it's that little troop of chimps that have figured it out, and they're the first chimps to figure it out. I mean, why, humans why, why use leeches. Yeah. Leeches and maggots. You're For right. Stuff. They, yeah. Yeah, they mentioned that here. Um, they um, have used leeches forever, and they use maggots uh, as agents for thousands of years. Uh, people have. Um, this goes on and on, and it helps to soothe inflammation, infection, and such as that. So, wow, monkey news. And why does your cat, if you have cats, you know we have cats, too many cats, three cats. One of my face last night. <laughs> Why do cats like like to sleep with their owners? Because they usually are on the couch with my wife or in bed without fail. Cats are often seen as more as more you know they're just kind of kind of arrogant and independent and less needy than some other pets. But at night, why do they curl up and fall asleep at the foot of your bed or on top of your head? There are several reasons why, and they're not that unusual. At the most basic level, cats can't resist being near you for the warmth of your body. Ah. But the counter to that is that they put off heat like a little furnace, and they are really hot. A warm human head is a perfect place for them to sleep at night on your head or on your feet and one of our cats is it's in that bed every night and sometimes she opts to be on my feet where I, I can't move I'm paralyzed and I don't want to disturb her Kick but her. when I have to pee she's gonna move <laughs> get your ass off my feet mm-hmm. um, so they like that and it also makes them feel more secure because they trust you so either put up with it are I don't know what you can do. I, <laughs> Throw them off the bed. I had an That's indoor one choice. Yeah, I had an indoor cat named Boo Boo Himalayan years ago, and he would sleep on on my pillow above my head. Yep. And I let him, even though I didn't even think, ah, oh, yeah, you probably just got out of the cat box, and now you're on my pillow. But yeah, yeah, he would do that every day, every night. Yeah, the yeah the old uh, butt in face trick is not really one that's <laughs> that entertaining so there you go all right wes had some dumbasses what you got i have a drunk brawl breaking out in the happiest place on earth between two naked sisters nice. this is okay yeah this says this is an ill-fated evening it says it started out the sisters they're tourists from new jersey they were grabbing dinner at disney springs at a steakhouse then hit an irish pub for drinks and uh so that went well they are 29 they're and 31 years old and uh, they had had enough and were ready to go back to their hotel which was off property their phone died so a disney cast member playing the role of the security guard helped them call an uber <laughs> uber driver shows up and goes uh-uh not taking them. They're way too drunk, and I just cleaned oh, this guy. So the uh, the cast member instead called a taxi, which I guess in Florida can't uh, turn people down if they're too drunk. So while these sisters are waiting for a taxi, they start arguing. Older sister called a younger sister a bad mob and slapped her. 
Oh, God. And in return, the younger sister allegedly threatened to punch her. The security manager is trying to calm down the situation. And then at that point, the, the females, it says, began punching and slapping and pulling each other's hair. Nice. And this guy is trying to pull these two drunk women apart, but uh, he gets them apart, and then they go right back at each other. And says one separated. Both sisters ran at each other. Uh, someone vomited at some point through all of this, and the younger yes. sister or the oh, older sister <laughs> slipped in that. It's no fell into the bushes. Oh, They're oh, still God. fighting as they are in these bushes. And the security guard said the younger sister ran a few ways, took off her dress, exposing her breast, Jesus. and they began to punch each other again. Police oh, showed up. Uh, finally, That's a party, and man. got them separated. Got them arrested. Because it's Disney and it was late at night, and I guess the security guard was the only one there, there is no video of this brawl, which is just oh, a crime against the oh, rest of us. Right. But uh, the police said that the uh, sisters didn't want to talk about it. They were arrested for misdemeanor, domestic violence, battery, disorderly intoxication. Each sister decided they don't want to prosecute the other sister, and the state's attorney office declined to pr uh, pursue criminal charges because these People live in Jersey anyway, so just send them home to fight some more up there instead of keeping them there on the Florida taxpayer dime, I guess. Wow. Drunk, naked, that and fighting, and vomiting at Disney World. And for the, oh, that would have been and funny for the to first watch. time ever, it's not on video. I can't yeah. believe that. I know. That's what, that's, that is everyone's first move. Grab yep. your phone. Yep. Just Golly. <laughs> All right. Was there one more that you had, or was that probably this, the This is a short one. This is, would be more funny if you could see the video, but uh, you can't, so uh, here we go. Intoxicated passenger was barred from boarding an airplane at Orlando International Airport. She was rode up to the gate, drink still in her hand, on a motorized suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice, nice. And she's turned away. Like it, it doesn't say why she was turned away, but she so she just... You know, wheels the suitcase around the security area and just heads back down the concourse. Uh, something motivated a police officer to stop her for some reason. It doesn't say what here, but the uh, police officer on a bicycle was chasing her. So she's leading him on this slow speed chase through the Orlando airport. She's on a motorized suitcase. He's on a bicycle, probably walking the thing. And this woman, her name is Chelsea, was later accused of battering the police officer, ramming him with the suitcase, and then doing damage to his patrol car after she got arrested and brought into that. So she was... That, uh, that is really drunk. God, she man. was yeah. out impressive. of her mind drunk and faces That's up impressive. to five years in prison. That <laughs> rolled up on her suitcase. I mean, first of all... You're lazy as hell if you can't just roll the normal rolling suitcases that they make because, damn, walk. they're on casters nowadays so they can turn on a dime. But whoever invented a motorized suitcase is a genius. Oh, God, yes. I want truth. one. Oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> no. Well, load a saddle the, on it and I you're good to go. Lazy. Just the ones that put you know wheels on them and uh, that was a great start right those there those are awesome yeah i don't I have mean, one the, i mean not with that, the casters but they're, that just changed look, the world i mean god yeah you know just carrying bags and suitcases no no thanks god. all right wesley has a topic to discuss here people confess the weirdest things they've done when their mind was on autopilot which is most of the time well, it happens to all of us yeah, yeah. you just spacing off we call it 
yeah, you're doing something and you forget how to do other stuff. So here's some of the <laughs> embarrassing people uh, things people have confessed to. This first one says, I was watching a video on my phone and panicking suddenly to find my phone. <laughs> this guy, Badger Ninja, says, I accidentally said thank you to a vending machine. Shad, <laughs> Shad says, I drove to my old apartment after getting off of a long shift. Oh, God. <laughs> you start driving to school and you're going to work and vice versa. in Dallas that went out one night uh, and got a little bit, had uh, he was overserved. And he lived in this new house for five years. And he gave the cab driver his old address and went there and realized. Oops. Oops. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, wrong. That's funny. Uh, this other guy, Rob, said, uh, I once sent a text message and then put the phone to my ear waiting for someone to pick up. <laughs> oh, I've never done. That's hilarious. <laughs> Do it all the time, man. Ludwig uh, <laughs> said, oh, things I've done on auto brain autopilot. You mean like looking for my phone with the flashlight of my phone? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> your your phone in your one hand with the light going, looking, where's your phone? How many times have I walked around here trying to find my glasses, and they're on the top of my head, and I'm bitching and moaning, and Ditto. they're on, they're on my head. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking of glasses, Annette says, I got into the shower with my glasses on, and then wondered why I was going blind when they steamed up. I've done the same <laughs> thing. And I've also... I keep them on the head of the bed, and there are times I will put them on to check something and leave them on, and how I haven't crushed them in my sleep is a oh. is a miracle. Oh, yeah. wow, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this woman says, uh, Emily says about uh, doing things while on autopilot. One time I was painting something yellow and using a clear glass to rinse the paint from the brushes. At the same time, I was also enjoying a glass of lemonade. You can see where this is going. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. CJS says, I once chunked my drink cup onto my bed rather than my phone. Uh, oh, crap. That sucks. Have you ever um, gotten something out of the fridge? I'm, 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 I'm trying to think here. You get something out and you have something to throw away. And you threw away... Oh. The food that you got out and not the trash. Oh. <laughs> I've, I, I haven't done your that. phone in the fridge or the microwave or some shit like that. I'd do that. But frequently. on more than one occasion, I have cracked an egg and then put the yolk and white down the drain and moved to put the shell <laughs> in the, the pan. <laughs> I, I, let, yeah. I put the, instead of putting the milk back in the fridge one day, I put it in the pantry. Nope. And it was that, there all day. Close. It happens all the time. All the time. <laughs> On the kitchen, this guy says, uh, I walked into the kitchen seven times in a row, forgot what I was looking for, walked out, remembered, walked back, and immediately forgot what I was looking for. This makes me feel so much better. It's, <laughs> it's not just me that's going, uh, going to a people, home soon. People sometimes just get that brain fog, go numb, work on autopilot, and Dwayne says the thing I did was I drove to my parents' house like I still lived there. I don't know how many times I go to my truck to leave and I have certain things in my pockets, my wallet, my phone, my sunglasses without fail. I have left something like, you know, the car keys in the house. So I trudge back <laughs> in upstairs and then I forget that I got, so I walk, I do that almost every day. I'm just not paying attention. I hate yeah. that. Let's I, see. Oh, go ahead, Sid. 
Now, I'm still get, kind of getting used to not having to have a key to start the car, but it has to be in my purse or on me oh, yeah. to push the button oh, yeah. to start it, of yeah, course. So sure. it lives in my purse, but but I'll go and put, a, you know, and go, oh, I got to get the, no, I don't. I don't have to yep. get it out. <laughs> yep. All right, what else, Wes? Let's see. Rel says, things I've done on autopilot. I grabbed my daughter, put her back in the crib. Ch- uh, sorry, I changed my daughter, put her back in the crib, grabbed a fresh diaper, and changed her again because I didn't notice I grabbed her again instead of her twin. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know, the other pitfall, which is not funny, and I think it's probably what killed Heath Ledger, um, if you take pills at night to help you sleep, and I take you know, various things. Cause I, I can't sleep that, that well. And, uh, I lay them out there and sometimes I will take and leave PM or two and forget that I took them. Oh crap. And I wonder if I should take some more, but then I'll, I'll be asleep for two days. And so I have to just guess. And so that's what happens when you're half asleep. Uh, or you come home out of it and you take too many pills on booze and you die like he did. So that kind of stuff ain't funny. You know, you got to pay some mind to the, the important things. Yes. And well, and the, and the other day my, and luckily it was a weekend because my husband took his nighttime medicines in the morning. Accidentally he switched day and night. Thank God it was a Friday or Saturday. I mean, thank (laughs) God it was Saturday or Sunday so he could lie down and take a nap. But, that's not, yeah. I want to thank all of our sponsors that have been here for a long time with us and uh, continue to support the program and the website and all of that stuff. The Ready Room Brew Pub is going strong and getting bigger all the time. It's from Hook Point Brewing. They have a place out in Collierville where they make all this this craft beer. They have a ton of it uh, on display, a number of taps. Since I've been, uh, some of it is in cans and or bottles. And so they got the... Uh, the uh, beer factor nailed and they are also now moving on to expansion of their food they have a great lunch wednesday through sunday lunch and dinner and a full menu brunch on sundays and check the facebook page ours and or theirs for info on live music so they are uh, moving along and uh, expanding and getting better as the summer progresses so we thank them for being there on brookhaven circle uh, the west part of that it's very quiet and nice and quiet and they have a ton of beers some light, some heavy, and great food. So what do you? What could be wrong with that? Nothing. So thank you, Mike and Mark, the Hook Point Brewing Company, and the Ready Room Brew Pub, which is on West Brookhaven Circle. Also, thanks to our friend Alan, Alan's Automotive. He is back at work and taking appointments now, either via the website, his his site, alansautomotivecenter.com. He's on Facebook, phone number 332-3279. If you need to get a hold of him, if your car, this, this, this heat can make your battery go as dead as the cold can. I've been there. It's fun. So, uh, have your stuff checked and get your car serviced and the oil changed. So it keeps functioning properly as it gets hotter this summer. And we're at that point. So the first day of summer was yesterday. And so here we go. Now it'll it'll probably get hot and stay hot until Thanksgiving. Uh, that's always fun. So uh, thank you to Alan, as always. He's been here forever, and we appreciate his support from all the days gone by. And coming up uh, at AutoZone Park on the 8th of July is the Burt Kreischer Fully Loaded Comedy Tour. 
This is seven or eight different comics. You've seen them before on Netflix and Comedy Central. And they're playing a show at, at AutoZone Park um, on July 8th. And this guy has done a few specials for Netflix, and he's in various movies. And uh, So Burt Kreischer's big, fully loaded comedy show is coming in. Uh, more info on tickets on our website. You can find out more about that. This is Drake Digital.